Well, let's begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you come alongside the brokenhearted and love them and minister to them and show compassion to them. And we thank you, dear Lord, for the times in our lives when we have had nowhere to turn but to you in our grief. And dear Lord, we we thank you that we have hope in Christ that enables us to bear the burdens of our earthly grief. And we pray that you would be with us this morning, dear Lord, as we spend these time these minutes sharing and and reminding ourselves about your precious promises. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Now, um we haven't done this for three years now, just like our retreat, because the last two were canceled because of COVID. And um, and in the meantime, there are a lot of things that have happened in our congregation, a lot of uh, lo- loved ones that have been lost. Um, as you know, you know Aaron Gray lost his mom, and Heather Gray, her dad. Um, they're in California this weekend, so they're not able to be here to share. But um, but that was obviously devastating. Uh, Scott and Patty Rice both lost their fathers during uh, this season. Uh, we lost f- at least four former members of our church. Uh, Carla Penner, Don Campbell... Julie Randall and Rory Martin um, during this time. Um, and obviously there's, um, you know, we're alert to the, uh, the loss that's going on all the time in Ukraine. And, uh, and that is a grief to us, even though most of us don't know anyone personally who's Who's suffering in that in that situation? When I um, oh, and and then of course you know as a as a Christian, we've lost some great uh, people, and um, J.I. Packer is a great example of of someone who has been such a blessing to the Christian community for his whole life, and yet who who in this last years. I had the privilege not only taking a class from J.I. Packer at seminary, but also uh, being his chauffeur each morning uh, during the, that month that he taught a class there and uh, picking him up and driving him to, uh, to the seminary. Um, when I first planned this uh, time, I had no idea that by the time it came, I myself would have um, grief to share and a tribute to a lost loved one. Um, But uh, last Tuesday, 
this just a few days ago, um, our daughter-in-law, Elise, nine weeks from the end of her, her due date, went into labor. And when uh, they tried to get a heartbeat, they could find none. And she delivered a two-pound baby a few hours later that was stillborn. And, um, and so, you know, this child really had already had a profound impact upon my son and his wife, um, really reorienting their whole lives. Um, it was not planned, um, except by the Lord. The Lord definitely planned it. And um, they had... Um, they had their own plans, but the Lord intervened, and they not only went with it, but they celebrated it. And as time went on, they became more and more not only at peace, but joyful about it and grateful for it. And yet now uh, it was, you know, it ended with such a, a sad sadness that they're still mourning and still broken about it and uh, and we're all still praying for them and uh, that God would use this in their lives um, to show them you know his comfort and his sovereignty and his goodness even when uh, tragedies happen and uh, so I'd appreciate your prayers for Nathaniel and Elise um as they continue to uh, to bear the burden of this grief. Um, I want to read a passage of Scripture for our encouragement uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. It says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. And, uh, you know, people in the congregation at Thessalonica were, you know, had lost loved ones. Some of the people in the congregation had passed away and, and their loved ones were really struggling over this, apparently. And Paul's writing these words to comfort them. He says, I don't want you to be honest with those who have fallen asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. It doesn't say that they shouldn't grieve. It just says they shouldn't grieve like those who have no hope. Then he goes on to say, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the, tr with the voice of the archangel, and the, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so... We shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 
So as I said, uh, what Paul has in mind here in this passage is the grief that Christians experience at the loss of, of fellow grief by our hope of union with those that we have lost. So that's about and about the reason between those died and those alive at the time of Christ's return. And verse 17 is the key here. And you know, this is important for even, you know, people like Francis Wilcox, who, you know, pulled me aside a few months ago and asked me, does the Bible really teach us that we'll be reconciled with our after after we die? because she's thinking of her husband, of course. And, uh, and I said, most assuredly, and, and this passage makes it more clear than anywhere else, perhaps. 17 and 18. There, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. So it'll be a great reunion there between whatever human category you're in of, of God's people, whether you're alive at the time of Christ's return or have already passed with Christ. In and this is given to us so we can comfort one another with these words. What about our loss of our non-believing loved ones? Thank you. In, in the case when, you know, sometimes loved ones who don't seem to have a relationship with Christ pass. What about that? Is that grief? Do we grieve in that situation in the same way that those who have no hope grieve? Well, no, we don't. Um, our hope does not rest um, in the possibility that somehow... Christians got it wrong, and those outside of Christ might somehow be saved anyway. The Bible makes that truth clear. But we still have hope. The hope that comes in several forms. We have, for instance, a certain hope that grief that we experience will end. Even if loved ones are eternally lost because God will open our eyes and we'll see everything in a way that we can understand. We'll come to understand how their lostness and even their judgment brings glory to God and how it's right and how it has its purpose. We will see how even our grief is one of those things that God promises he will work out for good in the end. And so we know that we, in hope that we will be joyful and grateful in spite of the destiny of those we loved on earth who did not know Christ. We will have no more sadness even though it may be hard for us to imagine that now. But we know this. 
and this is our hope. So even in this kind of grief, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Now, of course, this doesn't work for those who love their lost ones more than they love their Lord. When I was uh, at seminary, we went to a church where uh, there was a, a, a young woman who was a Christian who was coming to the church, and her husband started coming to church too. And uh, he came to church, I think, because he wanted the two of them to be united. And so he would come and he'd um, participate in church life. One day, the pastor mentioned in his sermon that, pointing to the place where Jesus says that there's no marriage in heaven. And this young, this man just was so offended that that would be said. He couldn't swallow that. Uh, and that was the last time he ever came. Because the idea that that he was not going to be eternally married to his wife was something he could not swallow. For people like that, the Christian hope is not very comforting. But because for them, they're the thing that they want most of all is an earthly thing. But for the rest, it is very much our great comfort. The fact is, one day Jesus will return with an angelic shout and a trumpet sound to bring judgment to the earth. But before judging, the Lord will call forth from the grave all true believers who have already died to join him in the air. Next, those believers who are still alive will be raised to join with them and with Christ as well. And that, my dear friends, is our hope. Now I'm going to invite Marguerite Grant to come forward and share um, about a lost loved one that that uh, very dear to her heart. And... Um, and then, after she's done, Chris Trudeau. Thank you, Jackie. Wow, I've never, I don't think I've ever stood here. <laughs> I wanted to remember my friend Jenny, and some of you have met her once or twice. Um, uh, and her daughter came to uh, live with us for years an exchange student, so uh, quite a few probably remember her. So my uh, dear friend Jenny Komstra, she passed away in the August of 2019 at the um, age of 51 of kidney cancer that slowly spread to the rest of her body. Uh, many of you remember her daughter Famke who lived with us for a year as a high school exchange student. So Jenny was my first friend uh, growing up. I lived on a tulip farm and she lived next door on a dairy farm uh, on a very flat and windy part of the island of Texel in the Netherlands. And I was very fortunate to have a friend right next door and we remained friends throughout our lives even though we went in different directions. And she visited us here in Warrington twice. The first time we celebrated her 40th birthday 
and Famke was around 10 at the time, and the idea of her spending a year here as an exchange student was born. Jenny lost her father when he was in his early 50s, very unexpectedly. And some years later, she lost her only sibling, her brother, in a fatal car accident. And it was actually my younger brother who was the first one on the scene. Jenny, from very early childhood, was overweight, which was really the exception in, in, in those days. She was the only one in her family, and I will forever wonder if she had some sort of medical condition that maybe could have been fixed. But in those days, being overweight was just contributed to, you know, eating too much. And it makes me sad that she had to wrestle with this for her whole life. It didn't seem fair to her. We were almost three years apart in age, which meant that in school we had our own friend groups and didn't necessarily mingle, but back home on the Schorenweg, we spent a lot of time together. And we played a lot when we were young, and later we went to puberty together. And one of the fond memories I have is sitting in Jenny's uh, bedroom listening to the Top 40, surrounded by posters of Duran Duran, <clears throat> especially of the lead singer, Simon Laban. We dreamed together of all the adventures and wonderful things that would, of course, naturally unfold as we would become adults. And Jenny always dreamed of living in Ireland in a little house as a homesteader. Jenny was very gifted with crafts and gardening, and she made many of her own clothes. She did embroidery, and she made beautiful stuffed animals and countless projects that she was always working on. She created a beautiful garden behind her house and enjoyed singing in a choir and playing the guitar. And she always created beauty around her with the limited means given to her. She really was a beautiful person, and she was like a sister to me. Her weight was a serious handicap in her life, and I think it thwarted a lot of her ambitions. And she didn't get to fully bloom. It also made it harder to share my life in our adult years. She met her husband, who was significantly older than she was, and together they had Famke. And I remember holding her as a beautiful, rosy baby. Being a mother was a real joy to Jenny, but those were also the years that I saw the least of her, having moved continents myself and raising a family of my own. And news of cancer and initially successful treatment reached me. And whenever I visited my beloved island and my parents and family, I always visited with my friend as well. But the cancer slowly spread. And Jenny always stayed optimistic. But I'm sure I never saw her down days. And I'm also sure that they were plentiful. She struggled in a marriage, but she did not see a way out, so she stayed. And the day came in 2019 that the doctors told her that there was no more treatment for her, and it came to her as a shock. Not so much to the people around her, but to Jenny it's herself it did. And she was angry because she still had so many dreams and plans, and she felt che cheated. One positive thing, though, that she learned in those years is that how many people loved her and cared for her and showered her with love and compassion. And I think that brought a lot of healing for her. She passed away shortly after getting that bad news in her mother's house who took care of her till the end. And I texted with her till the end. And I still have the last words that we shared together. Her strength was taken away from her and she had to let go. And Jenny took with her all the memories that we shared of our childhood together. The last time she visited 
We talked a lot about our childhood, and she mentioned how much she enjoyed that. And that's what I miss so much. And a popular song from the 80s or 90s can bring such strong memories of her to me these days, and it feels bittersweet. When Famke was here at the age of 16, turning 17, I prayed that God would let her mother live at least till she would turn 21. It's still way too young to lose your mother, but it would at least give her a little bit more time. That's what I thought. And Jenny passed away five months after Famke's 21st birthday. Jenny grew up in a church like I did and went to a Christian elementary school. But the Dutch culture is very secular and Jenny felt more at home in the anthroposophy, a philosophy based on human wisdom and living close to nature. And I did ask her in, the, in her last days if she was ready to take Jesus' hand and she answered that she was still wrestling with anger and that she would think about it. So I can only hope that when it's my time that we will meet again. And I wanted to end with a verse from Luke 20, uh, verse 37 and 38, where it says um, that even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, because he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. My dad uh, passed away uh, earlier this year, and it's something I, I, I still try to work through, work with. Um, all my life, I've been someone's son, and I, I know I still am um, through Jesus, and my mom is still with us, but. Uh, my dad was uh, born in the 30s. And I found out much later in life that was he was growing up, he, uh, he had a, a, a terrible car accident. And to hear my mother talk about it later, that uh, back in the 50s, the hospitals treatment of this kind of injury was to like just hang out and wait to see if they survive and then after a certain amount of time treat try to treat them try to try to fix it and uh, some of the articles I've seen since he passed that it was like a couple days that he was just in the hospital and, and he survived and and the, the thing was we'll now try to 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 help him and I can see now that's why I don't have any stories or any, any history of, of him growing up. Because he forgot. He, did, he doesn't know. He, did, he didn't know. They retrained part of his brain to see. I guess I always grew up knowing, well, my dad doesn't drive. It wasn't until much later I learned that he was really legally blind he only had peripheral vision. He fooled you by looking in your direction when he heard your voice. 
But more than my dad, my dad was also, in a very real way, my mom. In the 60s, when I was growing up, this was less than a novelty. But my mom went to work and my dad stayed home and took care of us. It was in the newspaper, the house husband. It was, a, it was strange back in the 60s. We had a weird household. My dad took care of everything in the house. And I don't mean this in a bad way. It was always dirty. My dad was an artist. He was a potter. There was always a, a fine dust of clay everywhere. I mean, he had, a, he had a bathtub and a rake where he would mix water and clay dust and make the clay that he would work. Um, The picture I have is, is my dad's hands. I have relatively, I know I have really small hands. My dad had big hands and they were strong. But they were also delicate because he could work that clay and make it sit at the wheel for hours and just make the same pot over and over and over again. And when we went to see him for years, I mean, there are plenty of things that happened with my dad that he made bad choices and things happened. But we could see him slowly deteriorate where he was at in, in a, at a home in New York. But I was really stunned when we got up there. We, well, we got a, a thing from the, the, the home that he was going into hospice and he really didn't have that much time. We ran up there as quick as we could. And I was stunned at the shell he had become. But he still had those hands. And in COVID, you know, this was the first time I had gone back to like a, a real serious mask and I had a face shield and you see in your dad and I'm, I'm, I'm holding it together here, but I was, I was a mess at the time trying to read Philippians to him. He, he at least recognized that someone was speaking, I think. He didn't really, he couldn't really respond. But yeah, that's, that's where my hope is. And, you know, I can see now, going back to where I started, you know, I, I do know that through Christ I am still someone's son. And usually that's a different story I'm talking about when I say I've always been someone's son. And when I'm talking about my own kids, when I become a parent. But, you know, the, the Lord... The, the hope is the Lord has him. Because I know back in the back in my past, he, he took care of us. And he, he, he showed us the way. Now, in, in, in his later years, I don't know where he was at. But uh, it's something that, you know, he was, he, was, he was a different kind of guy. He was a different man than what we think of. He was a, a, I had a real artist's soul.
And uh, I, I still struggle with him gone. But I don't know who's next. Any questions? Of oh, questions. Did he do any other forms of art? He did a lot of. He did. He he did. I mean, he he did weaving. He did painting. He did metalwork. But it, it that, you know that, that that's part of the story. His, the pottery was what he he had a business in and that was what my mom supported him in and it, it, we had this house that was dedicated to, to making pottery and uh, I kind of grew up in, in the sense that you know it, if something breaks, if a bowl breaks no big deal, we'll just get another one and we were pretty careless about things you know, when I was young, washing the dishes was like, yeah, hey, just throw them around, and you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't need. Yeah, you have to take care of stuff now, because I don't have somebody who can make me a new one. Yeah, he did. He had a store. We it never it it never made any money. Uh, to hear my mother talk in the '80s, the IRS came to my dad and said. You know, how can you do this? How can you, how can you let your wife just carry your business? And it kind of broke him in one sense. I mean, there's all kinds of other stories that, I, that I'm not going to tell. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, 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 we had an operating pottery store. And, yeah, again, it was a mess in the basement. It was just always dirty. It was always... But it was the way we lived. And I like to think my, my, my parents were, in the 60s, rather normal hippies. We had, a, we had a weird, eclectic, artisan group of people that my parents visited. I don't know, it could have been scary, but the Lord had it. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Unless somebody else has a real question. Yes. How old was your dad when the accident occurred? Oh, that I... 17? 17. And uh, were there any other ways he was affected besides his memory and his eyesight? Well, not physically, but I'm sure, and it's hard for me to say, I, in hindsight I can say that, that probably mentally some of the things that he did and there... Excuse me, the reactions, and every once in a while, the kind of language that he would use kind of was, I don't want to say inappropriate, but it was surprising. And, uh, but people knew what he, what he could pull off. Um, and again, it was. So it sounds like he may have had a severe brain injury? Oh, it definitely did. Definitely he did. And. It, it 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 was it was yeah they had to retrain his brain to do certain things and his skill as a potter is because he he became very in order to train himself he had to be very diligent in doing things step by step and one thing at a time and and 
but it's also pottery is a skill that that requires less eyesight than a lot of other art kind of skills. Yes. You can't do metal work very well without eyesight. Right. I mean, he can see how it's melding when you're whatever and painting and stuff like that. So it's. It makes sense that he would end up focusing on pottery. Correct. And our potter, the pottery that my dad produced was very, um, it wasn't fine, it wasn't like fine porcelain. It was very rough, very earthy. One of his signature things would, the, he would take the, the rocks, the, the cobblestones that filled our backyard, um, and he would just slap a, a fine layer of clay over it and he made these rock pots as was his was his deal it, he had it's very earthy some people like it some people just can't deal with it Does some of his still I have a whole bunch of stuff my all my siblings have some of it I regret some of the things that I've lost. My brother and my cousins still have, you know, baby plates that he made. I don't. Again, things break. Yeah, there's a Facebook page. My daughter put together a, what is it? A, a page where people could, we could all submit stuff. Well, thank you for your... Uh, eager listening to these tributes and uh, let's let's close our time in prayer and then uh, we'll get and clean up the back okay oh Lord part of living in this life is losing and uh, you have called us Lord to bear one another's burdens, to weep with those who weep. We thank you for the chance to hear these testimonies today of loved ones that um, are lost and, uh, and grieved over. And we pray, dear Lord, that you would use these and help us to continue to minister to one another and, uh, and continue to be willing, O oh Lord, to trust in your ruling goodness even when tragedies happen. Thank you now for the chance to uh, celebrate the resurrection of our Lord as we worship. And we pray for your blessing upon the service that hearts would be triumphant in Christ and strengthened in faith. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.